The Pendant Shakespeare presents the first part of Henry VI, Chapter 3 by William Shakespeare. Great lords and gentlemen, what means this silence? Dare no man answer in a case of truth? Ah, within the temple hall we were too loud. The garden here is more convenient. Then say it once if I maintained the truth, or else was wrangling Somerset in thy error. Faith, I have been truant in the law, and never yet could frame my will to it, and therefore frame the law unto my will. Judge you, my lord of Warwick, then between us. Between two hawks, which flies the higher pitch, between two dogs, which hath the deeper mouth, between two blades, which bears the better temper? Between two horses, which doth bear him best? Between two girls, which hath the merriest eye? I have, perhaps, some shallow spirit of judgment. But in these nice, sharp quillets of the law, good faith, I am no wiser than a door. Tut, tut. Here is a mannerly forbearance. The truth appears so naked on my side that any pure blind eye may find it out. And on my side it is so well apparelled, so clear, so shining, and so evident that it will glimmer through a blind man's eye. Since you are tongue-tied and so loath to speak, in dumb significance proclaim your thoughts. Let him that is a true-born gentleman, and stands upon the honor of his birth, if he suppose that I pleaded truth, from off this briar pluck a white rose with me. Let him that is no coward, no no flatterer, but dare maintain the party of the truth, pluck a red rose from off this thorn with me. I love no colors. And without all colour of base insinuating flattery, I pluck this white rose with Plantagenet. <laughs> I pluck this red rose with young Somerset, and say with all I think he held the right. <laughs> Stay, lords and gentlemen, and pluck no more till you conclude that he upon whose side the fewest roses are cropped from the tree shall yield the other in the right opinion. Good Master Vernon, it is well objected. If I have fewest, I subscribe in silence. And I. Then for the truth and plainness of the case, I pluck this pale and maiden blossom here, giving my verdict on the white rose side. Prick not your finger as you pluck it off, lest bleeding you do paint the white rose red and fall on my side against your will. If I, my lord, for my opinion bleed, Opinion shall be surging to my hut, and keep me on the side where still I am. Well, well, come on. Who else? <sighs> Unless my study and my books be false, the argument you held was wrong in law. In sign whereof I pluck a white rose too. Now, Somerset, where is your argument? Here in my scabbard, meditating that shall dye your white rose in a bloody red. Meantime, your cheeks do counterfeit our roses, for pale they look with fear, as witnessing the truth on our side. No, Plantagenet, tis not for fear, but anger, that thy cheeks blush for pure shame to counterfeit our roses. And yet thy tongue will not confess thy error. 
Hath not thy rose a canker, Somerset? Hath not thy rose a thorn, Plantagenet? Aye, sharp and piercing, to maintain his truth, whilst thy consuming canker eats his falsehood. Well, I'll find friends to wear my bleeding roses that shall maintain what I have said is true. Where false Plantagenet dare not be seen. Now by this maiden blossom in my hand, I scorn thee and thy fashion, peevish boy. Turn not thy scorns this way, Plantagenet. Proud pole, I will, and scorn both him and thee. I'll turn my part thereof into thy throat. Away, away, good Sir William de la Pole. We grace the yeoman by conversing with him. Now, by God's will, thou wrongst him, Somerset. His grandfather was Lionel, Duke of Clarence, third son to the third Edward, King of England. Spring crestless yeoman from so deep a root. He bears him on the place's privilege, or durst not his craven heart say thus? By him that bade me, I'll maintain my words on any plot of ground in Christendom. Was not thy father Richard, Earl of Cambridge, for treason executed in our late king's days? And by his treason stand'st not thou attainted, corrupted, and exempt from ancient gentry? His trespass yet lives guilty in thy blood, and till thou be restored, thou art a yeoman. My father was attainted, not attainted, condemned to die for treason, but no traitor. And that I'll prove on better men than Somerset, where growing time once ripened to my will, for your partaker, Pole, and you yourself. I'll note you in my book of memory, to scourge you for this apprehension. Look to it well, and say you were well warned. Ah, thou shalt find us ready for thee still, and know us by these colors for thy foes. For these, my friends, in spite of thee, shall wear. And by my soul, this pale and angry rose, as cognizance of my blood-drinking hate, will I forever and my faction wear, until it wither with me to my grave or flourish to the height of my degree. Go forward and be choked with thy ambition. And so farewell. Until I meet thee next. Have with thee, Paul. Farewell, ambitious Richard. How I am braved, and must perforce endure it. This blot that they object against your house shall be whipped out in the next Parliament, called for the truce of Winchester and Gloucester. And if thou be not then created York, I will not live to be accounted Warwick. Meantime, in signal of my love to thee, against proud Somerset and William Pole, will I, upon thy party, wear this rose. And here I prophesy, this brawl today, grown to this faction in the temple garden, shall send, between the red rose and the white, a thousand souls to death and deadly night. Good Master Vernon, I am bound to you that you, on my behalf, would pluck a flower. In your behalf still will I wear the same. And so will I. Thanks, gentle sir. Come, 
Let us four to dinner. I dare say, this quarrel will drink blood another day. Kind keepers of my weak, decaying age, let dying Mortimer here rest himself. Even like a man new haled from the rack, so fair my limbs with long imprisonment. These gray locks, the perseverance of death, Nestor like aged in an age of care, argue the end of Edmund Mortimer. Tell me, Keeper, will my nephew come? Richard Plantagenet, my lord, will come. We sent unto the temple, unto his chamber, and answer was returned that he will come. Enough. My soul shall then be satisfied. Poor gentleman, his wrong doth equal mine. Since Henry Monmouth, first began to reign, before whose glory I was great in arms. This loathsome sequestration have I had, and even since then hath Richard been obscure, deprived of honor and inheritance. But now, the arbitrator of despairs, just death, Kind umpire of men's miseries, with sweet enlargement doth dismiss me hence. I would his troubles likewise were expired, that so he might recover what was lost. <coughs> My lord, your loving nephew now is come. Richard Plantagenet, my friend, is he come? Aye, noble uncle, thus ignobly used, your nephew, late despised Richard, comes. Direct mine arms, I may embrace his neck, and in his bosom spend my latter gasp. Oh, tell me when my lips do touch his cheeks that I may kindly give one fainting kiss. And now... Declare, sweet stem from York's great stock, why didst thou say of late thou wert despised? First, lean thine aged back against mine arm, and in that ease, I'll tell thee my disease. This day, in argument upon a case, some words there grew twixt Somerset and me among which terms he used his lavish tongue and did upbraid me with my father's death. Therefore, good uncle, for my father's sake, in honor of a true Plantagenet, and for the alliance's sake, declare the cause my father, Earl of Cambridge, lost his head and... <coughs> that cause... Fair nephew, that imprisoned me, and hath detained me all my flowering youth within a loathsome dungeon. Discover more at large what cause that was. Henry the Fourth, grandfather to this king, deposed his nephew Richard, Edward's son, the first begotten and the lawful heir of 
Edward King, the third of that descent, during whose reign the Percy's of the North, finding his usurpation most unjust, endeavored my advancement to the throne. I was the next by birth and parentage, for my mother I derived am from Lionel, Duke of Clarence, whereas he from John of Gaunt doth bring his pedigree, being but fourth of that heroic line. But mark, as in this haughty great attempt they labor it to plant the rightful heir, I lost my liberty and they their lives. Long after this, when Henry V, succeeding his father Bolingbroke, did reign, thy father, Earl of Cambridge then, derived from famous Edmund Langley, Duke of York, marrying my sister that thy mother was, again in pity of my hard distress, levied an army, weaning to redeem, and have installed me in the diadem. But as the rest, so fell that noble earl, and was beheaded. Thus the Mortimers, in whom the title rested, were suppressed. Of which, my lord, your honor is the last. True. And thou seest that I no issue have, and that my fainting words do warrant death. Thou art my heir, the rest I wish thee gather, but yet be wary in thy studious care. But yet, methinks, my father's execution was nothing less than bloody tyranny. With silence, nephew, Be thou politic. Strong fixed is the house of Lancaster, and like a mountain not to be removed. But now thy uncle is removing heads, as princes do their courts when they are cloyed with long continuance in a settled place. Oh, uncle, would some part of my young years might but redeem the passage of your age. Thou dost then wrong me, as that slaughterer doth, which gives many wounds when one will kill. <laughs> More not, except thou sorrow for my good. Only give order for my funeral. And so, farewell. And fair be all thy hopes, and prosperous be thy life in peace and war. And peace, no war, befall thy parting soul. In prison hast thou spent a pilgrimage, and like a hermit's overpassed thy days. Well. I will lock his counsel in my breast, and what I do imagine, let that rest. Keepers, convey him hence, and I myself. 
will see his burial better than his life. Here dies the dusky torch of Mortimer, choked with ambition of the meaner sort. And for those wrongs, those bitter injuries, which Somerset hath offered to my house, I doubt not but with honor to redress. And therefore, haste I to the Parliament, either to be restored to my blood, or make mine ill the advantage of my good. A bill, your majesty. Why, thank you. Comest thou with deep, premeditated lines, with written pamphlets studiously devised? Humphrey of Gloucester, if thou canst accuse, or aught intent to lay unto my charge, do it without invention, suddenly, as I, with sudden and extemporal speech, propose to answer what thou canst object. Now, now. Presumptuous priest, this place commands my patience. Or thou shouldst find thou hast dishonored me. My good lords. Think not, although in writing I preferred the manner of thy vile outrageous crimes, that therefore I have forged, or am not able verbatim, to rehearse the method of my pen. No prelate, such as thy audacious wickedness, thy lewd, pestiferous, and licentious pranks, as very infants prattle of thy pride. I, I think that... Thou art a most pernicious usurer, froward by nature, enemy to peace, lascivious, wanton, more than well beseems a man of thy profession and degree, and for thy treachery, what's more manifest, in that thou laidst a trap to take my life as well at London Bridge as at the Tower. Besides, I fear me, if thy thoughts were sifted, the king, thy sovereign, is not quite exempt from envious malice of thy swelling heart. Gloucester, I do defy thee. Perhaps... Lords, vouchsafe to give me hearing what I shall reply. If I were covetous, ambitious, or perverse, as he will have me... How am I so poor? Or how haps that I seek not to advance or raise myself, but keep my wanted calling? And for dissension, who preferreth peace more than I do, except I be provoked? What if- No, my good lords, it is not that offends. It is not that that hath incensed the duke. It is because no one should sway but he. No one but he should be about the king, and that engenders thunder in his breast and makes him roar these accusations forth. But he shall know I am as good- As good? Thou bastard of my grandfather! Aye, lordly sir. For what are you, I pray, but one imperious in another's throne? Am I not protector, saucy priest? And am not I a prelate of the church? Yes, as an outlaw in a castle keeps, and useth it to patronage his theft. Unreverend Gloucester! Thou art reverend, touching thy spiritual function, not thy life. Rome shall remedy this. Rome thither, then. My lord Winchester, it were your duty to forbear. I, so the bishop be not overborne. Methinks my lord should be religious, and know the office that belongs to such. Methinks his lordship should be humbler, it fitteth not a prelate so to please. Yes, when his holy state is touched so near. State holy or unhallowed, what of that? Is not his grace protector to the king? Plantagenet, I see, must hold his tongue, lest it be said, Speak, Sirrah, when you should. 
Must your bold verdict enter talk with lords? Else would I have a fling at Winchester. Uncles of Gloucester and of Winchester, the special watchmen of our English wheel, I would prevail if prayers might prevail to join your hearts in love and amity. <sighs> what a scandal it is to our crown that two such noble peers as you should jar. Believe me, lords, my tender years can tell civil dissension is a viperous worm that gnaws the bowels of the Commonwealth. What tumult's this? An uproar, I dare warrant, begun through malice of the bishop's men. Oh, my good lords and virtuous Henry, pity the city of London, pity us! The bishop and the Duke of Gloucester's men, forbidden late to carry any weapon, have filled their pockets full of pebble stones, and banding themselves in contrary parts, do pelt so fast at one another's pate that many have their giddy brains knocked out. Our windows are broke down in every street, and we, for fear, compelled to shut our shops. We, we charge you on allegiance to ourselves to, to, to hold your slaughtering hands and keep the peace. Pray, Uncle Gloucester, mitigate this strife. Nay, if we be forbidden stones, we'll fall to it with our teeth. Do what you dare. We are as resolute. You of my household, leave this peevish broil and set this unaccustomed fight aside. My lord, we know your grace to be a man just and upright and for your royal birth inferior to none but to his majesty. And ere that we will suffer such a prince, so kind a father of the commonweal, to be disgraced by an inkhorn mate, we and our wives and children all will fight and have our bodies slaughtered by thy foes. Aye, and the very parings of our nails shall pitch a field when we are dead. Begin again. Stay, stay, I say. And if you love me as you say you do, let me persuade you to forbear a while. Oh, this discord doth affect my soul. Can you, Lord of Winchester, behold my sighs and tears and will not once relent? Who should be pitiful if you be not? Or who should study to prefer a peace if holy churchmen take delight in broils? Yield, my Lord Protector. Yield, Winchester. Accept you mean with obstinate repulse to slay your sovereign and destroy the realm? You see what mischief, and what murder too, have been enacted through your enmity. Then be at peace. Accept your thirst for blood. He shall submit, or I will never yield. Compassion on the king commands me stoop, or I would see his heart out, ere the priest should ever get that privilege of me. Behold, my lord of Winchester, the duke hath banished moody, discontented fury, as by his smoothed brows it doth appear. Why look you still so stern and tragical? Here, Winchester, I offer thee my hand. <laughs> Fie, Uncle Winchester! I have heard you preach that malice was a great and grievous sin. And will not you maintain the thing you teach, but prove a chief offender in the same? What? Shall a child instruct you what to do? Well... Duke of Gloucester, I will yield to thee. Love for thy love, and hand for hand I give. Aye, but I fear me with a hollow heart. See here, my friends and loving countrymen, this token serveth for a flag of truce betwixt ourselves and all our followers. 
So help me God as I dissemble not. So help me God as I intend it not. Oh, loving uncle, kind Duke of Gloucester. How joyful am I made by this contract. Away, my masters. Trouble us no more. But join in friendship as your lords have done. Content. All to the surgeons. And so will I. And I will see what physic the tavern affords. Your majesty. Accept this scroll, most gracious sovereign, which in the right of Richard Plantagenet we do exhibit to your majesty. Well urged, my lord of Warwick. For, sweet prince, and if your grace mark every circumstance, you have great reason to do Richard right, especially for those occasions at Eltham Place, I told your majesty. And those occasions, uncle, were of force. Therefore, my loving lords, our pleasure is that Richard be restored to his blood. Let Richard be restored to his blood, so shall his father's wrongs be recompensed. As with the rest, so willeth Winchester. If Richard will be true, not that alone, but all the whole inheritance I give that doth belong unto the house of York, from whence you spring by lineal descent. Thy humble servant vows obedience and humble service till the point of death. Stoop then, and set your knee against my foot, and in regurden of that duty done, I girt thee with the valiant sword of York. Rise, Richard, like a true Plantagenet, and rise created princely Duke of York. And so thrive, Richard, as thy foes may fall, and as my duty springs, so perish they that grudge one thought against your majesty. Welcome, High Prince, the mighty Duke of York. Perish, Space Prince, ignoble Duke of York. Now will it best avail your majesty to cross the seas and to be crowned in France. The presence of a king engenders love amongst his subjects and his loyal friends, as it disanimates his enemies. When Gloucester says the word, King Henry goes, for friendly counsel cuts off many foes. Your ships already are in readiness. Aye, we may march in England or in France, not seeing what is likely to ensue. This late dissension grown betwixt the peers burns under feigned ashes of forged love and will at last break out into a flame. Fested members rot but by degree till bones and flesh and sinews fall away. So will this base and envious discord breed. And now I fear that fatal prophecy which in the time of Henry named the fifth was in the mouth of every sucking babe, that Henry born at Monmouth should win all, and Henry born at Windsor should lose all, which is so plain that Exeter doth wish his days may finish ere that hapless time. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show, presents the first part of Henry VI, Chapter 3 by William Shakespeare, featuring the voice talents of Carson Campbell as Plantagenet, W. Keith Timms as Suffolk, Russell Gold as Somerset, Julia Eve as Warwick, B.C. Morrison as Vernon, Chevelli Gutierrez as the lawyer, E. Rachel Ward as Mortimer, Walter Mack as the jailer, Sarah Palmero as Cardinal Winchester, Pete Lutz as Lord Protector Gloucester, Emmeline Tuck as King Henry VI, Loretta Chang as the Mayor of London, Edward Herman as Exeter, 
and Sarah Rosina Winkler, Juliet Angeli, and Cindy Woods as the rioters. Dramaturgy and audio adaptation by Morgan Z. Soul. Music by Josh Mullen at thetoonpeddler.com. Directed by Jeff Robinson. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2023, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.